need to be slightly louder for me. My, my voice has been so dry lately. I'd like for you to turn to number 488 in your songbooks. And while you're doing that, I'd like to welcome everybody here to Central Baptist Church this morning. Good to have you here. And if you're visiting, we're glad to have you. So let's sing a little bit. 488, A New Name in Glory. And I'll ask you to stand. I was once a sinner, but I came pardon to receive from my Lord. This was freely given, and I found that he always kept his word. There's a new name written down in glory, and it's mine. Oh, yes, it's mine. And the white-robed angels sing the story. A sinner has come home, for there's a new name written down in glory, and it's mine, oh yes, it's mine. With my sins forgiven, I am bound for heaven, never more to roam. I was humbly kneeling at the cross, Fearing not but God's angry frown. When the heavens opened and I saw that my name was written down, there's a new name and it's mine. Oh, yes, it's mine. And the white robed angels sing the story has come home for there's a new name written down in glory and it's mine oh yes it's mine with my sins forgiven i am bound for heaven never more to roam in the book tis written saved by grace oh the joy that came now I am forgiven, and I know by the blood I am made whole. There's a new name written down in glory, and it's mine. Oh, yes, it's mine. And the white-robed angels sing the story. A sinner has come home, for there's a new name written down in glory. And it's mine, oh yes, it's mine. With my sins forgiven, I am bound for heaven, never more to roam. Amen. All right, let's go way back over toward the front of the book to number three, Amazing Grace, number three. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found, was blind, but now I see, t'was grace. 
taught my heart to fear and grace my fears relieve. How precious did that grace appear the hour I first Shake hands with someone around you there. Tell them it's good to see you this morning. Good morning and welcome to Central Baptist Church Sunday School Hour. Great to have you guys here in the Lord's house. It's a great day at Central Baptist Church. And we're looking forward to in three weeks from today, big day. So make sure that you are in the vestibule and the atrium, whatever they're called, these little alcoves. Uh, if you would please um, make sure you get a stack if you haven't already to pass out. Uh, so let's make sure that we're giving out the word. Um, this Thursday is breakfast, I believe, correct? All right. So um, be mindful of that. And before the, um, the service, um, there was some video of this past Thursday. So there's some video evidence. So just keep that in mind. Next, you never know when you're going to be recorded these days. Um, I had a parent one time, I was talking in the front office, and they got their, um, their phone out and started recording me in my face. I was like, well, I, I just, I, said, I, I told them I needed a minute to go to the bathroom and freshen up. They're going to record me. They didn't like that. 
Um, if we can have our ushers come. Um, we're praying, continue to pray for Emma and his therapy is going through. I believe that this is the King's last Sunday here. Um, so hopefully they will, um, Mrs. King will make it. We saw her last Sunday. It was great to see her. Um, praying for Brother Steve. Oh, okay. Thank you for the reminder. I'm praying for um, Brother Arthur is back in choir this Sunday. So it's good to have him back there. He's back there, hiding back there, ushering. Um, continue praying for Miss uh, Charlotte. And um, Abby's um, does not have her ventilator anymore, um, Brother Jim's daughter. So we're excited about that, that she's improving and doing better. But I keep on um, um, praying for them. Any birthdays? All right. Happy birthday to you, happy birthday to you, happy birthday, God bless you, happy birthday to you. All right. Um, Brother Joe, would you close, um, uh, pray over our offering, please? All right, good morning and welcome to Sunday School. And we'll be, uh, we will finish one way or the other this week, uh, Galatians chapter 6. If you want to turn with me to uh, Galatians chapter 6 one more time. And we've got about six verses left to go. And just a house cleaning, because I, I usually, I, I just for the sake of time and, and the way the Lord really led in this, there's a little homework for you to study. Um, in verse 16, I really didn't get, uh, it just didn't fit into what the, the kind of passage is or the, the message, the lesson is. Uh, but it says, and upon the Israel of God. So you can, you can study that. 
um, at home, and that's that's an interesting study in and of itself that I just I'm not going to have time to, to get to, so I apologize for that. But this is the the end here uh, of our study, and I want to thank everybody for uh, all the encouragement. Um, it's you've been such a blessing to me, and I hope I've been a blessing to you. Uh, we're moving into the I'll be doing the uh, young marrieds class in the fellowship hall uh, starting next week, along with uh, my wife Tabitha. Um, so. I've been asked by a couple people, what is young married? And I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. So uh, if, I guess if you feel young or you are young, it, you know, whatever, whatever works. So um, we'll be going through a lot of things on the home to start with for sure and, and uh, that, that kind of thing. Not that I'm an expert, but I'm going to be learning right along with everybody else. So, um, and Brother Matt will be taking over starting next week, and I'm excited for him. Uh, I always enjoy Brother Matt's uh, teaching and preaching, and I think he'll be a tremendous blessing. And and I'm excited for him. This is, you know, he's full-time ministry once again, and this is his calling, and I've been praying for him. I know it's going to be great, and uh, so he's been a tremendous encouragement to me. Every time I come down, he's the first one to, to encourage me, and so I, I just, I really, I'm looking forward to what the Lord's going to do through him as well. So I hope you're excited as well for that, and let's, uh, let's start with, again, we've been going through chapter 6 here. Uh, we've talked about the, the relationships within the local church and, and uh, the, the warning at the end of chapter 5 not to be desirous of vainglory in these things. We talked about restoration in the, in the sense of bringing someone back in uh, to the church and restoring them uh, to, to the assembly, bearing one another's burdens, of course, and uh, in Christian service. And then last week, we kind of focused as, and used as a review uh, how the Apostle Paul got to this point where he's writing this letter. Um, and so let's read uh, 12 through 18, and then we'll get started. Starting in verse 12 of Galatians chapter 6. As many as desire to make a fair show in the flesh, they constrain you to be circumcised, only lest they should suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. For neither they themselves who are, of, who are circumcised keep the law, but desire to have you circumcised that they may glory in your flesh. But God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me, and I unto the world. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creature. And as many as walk according to this rule, peace be on them, and mercy, and upon the Israel of God. From henceforth let no man trouble me, for I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus Christ. Brethren, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Father, we ask for your help this morning. I ask that you'd help me to teach this, uh, to say what you want to be said, to not say anything you don't want to be said. Uh, I ask that you prepare our hearts and our minds to receive your word, Lord, that we would be changed, that we would be, uh, bring honor and glory to you. And we thank you and praise you for everything you'll do in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So in, in 12 and 13, where he's contrasting, you know, we came off of that where he's written, uh, amanuensis. I, I did it. That's that's the that's the person that would be hired to write the the letters for. The, I practiced it this week so that I could redeem myself. Amanuensis. I got it twice. Okay. So that's the the person that would write the letter uh, for somebody. It was a common job back then. And the Apostle Paul, we talked about last week, had he emphasized that he wrote this with his own hand. Um, so he's he's emphasizing his care for them how much he he's he is uh, he keeps them in mind and how serious this issue was and how uh distraught he was over the, the them being removed to this false gospel um 
And again, in verse 12, he says, as many as desire to make fair show in the flesh, they constrain you to be circumcised, only lest they should suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. He says they're, they're making a fair show in the flesh. I think we can kind of figure out what that means, that they're doing things that are easy to be seen in order to appear spiritual. So they're kind of in the vein of the, the Pharisees that we learn about in the, throughout the Gospels, where they've, and we've talked about this before, they lower the bar and create things that they're able to achieve uh, to appear spiritual, but the heart is the real issue. And so that, that's what they're doing by bringing back in these things to add these works uh, to grace. And so that they're uh, preaching this false gospel, uh, faith plus works, and, and they're trying to proselytize these Galatians into a works-based system. And it's not because they care, but because they fear persecution for the, the cross of Christ. So they understand that they see the persecution happening to those that, that believe on Christ, that follow Christ, that, that have the new birth, uh, and they don't want that. They, they, they don't want to be persecuted that way. And so that's a motivator for them to continue in these, these preaching these works of the law as a, a means of justification. And so the, the religious Jews um, that they answer to would be the ones doing this persecution. And they were throughout all these regions. There's synagogues everywhere, of course, as we talked about. So verse 13, it says, For neither they themselves who are circumcised keep the law, but desire to have you circumcised, that they might glory in your flesh. He says, what's more, they don't, they're not even keeping the law. By, you can't keep the law by, by circumcision. That, that's, uh, that's one element of, of uh, one ceremony, one, one picture uh, of, of something. But they, they put themselves under the law because they use it as a means of justification. And so, uh, as James 2.10 says, and we've been over, for, over this before, for whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he's guilty of all. So you break one, you break them all. And everyone sins, so we've all broken the law. So circumcision, it, it doesn't do anything for you. It's not, it's not going to uh, purchase your, your redemption and salvation. That's, that's only by grace through faith. So they, they can't even accomplish what they set out to do in the first place, which is earn their salvation. And, of course, your conscience is accusing you of these things. You can do all the outward things, and you can appear justified or religious or righteous to mankind, to those around you. But in your mind, your conscience, you know that you've broken the law. You know when you've lusted. You know when you've, when you've, uh, when you've you know, hated someone or, or when you've coveted after something. And he says, so he says that they, they know that they can't earn the salvation. They know they haven't fulfilled the law. And so you Galatians are their consolation prize. That, that's all it is, is that they're trying to convert other people. They're trying to put these burdens and this yoke of bondage back upon uh, these, these folks that had been converted or that were, were now in, you know, buying into this, this uh, false gospel, and uh, they're, they're trying to glory in their own flesh. They know they can't, so they force these Galatians into the system and glory in their work of turning away from the simplicity of the grace of Jesus Christ, those that had truly believed. They, they're, they're glorying in, the, in this supposed conversion or, or bringing back into this system of religious uh, works. And so verse 14, it says, but God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me, and I unto the world. Uh, and I was listening to someone, I'm not a Greek scholar, I have the, the uh, concordance in the, the Hebrew and Greek, you know, dictionary, and that's very helpful to study by, by the way. It helps you to understand why they translated words the way they did, and things like that, and um, so... 
this this God forbid. If you if you if you look that up, there's there's two words. There's a negative word, and then and then there's this uh, uh, not to, not come to pass or become or whatever. Um, but it's it's really the strongest, based on the the individual that I listened to that is a Greek scholar said this is the strongest negative in the Greek language that that they could come up with. But there's not an English word for it. Um, so. They, they translated God forbid. It's, it's, so it's strong, negative, it's, it's, uh, and the words actually mean not become. So there's not really a word that we have that would really justify how negative, how you know, to the negative this is. This will not come to pass. And so they say God forbid. God forbid, I think that's pretty strong. I think that's a, that's a good choice. Uh, so Paul is saying that there's no glory to be had except for in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. And he, he says, it is by Christ or in the manner of and because of him that my love for him and my love for him that I refuse to partake in the world system in this world also wants no part of me. That's what he's saying. Uh, so verse 15 we see, for in, for in Christ neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision but a new creature. It, because to be in Christ, whatever is accomplished in the flesh, no matter the motive, it avails nothing. It has no power. There's no force to it. It holds no sway with God because the flesh is dead and corrupt. You can't do anything that pleases God in the flesh. It's, it's the new creature that has power. It's the new creature that lives within, that has purpose and meaning and brings glory to God. So, so this leads us to our final thoughts here as we'll go through these final verses. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about this rule, this rule that we're to walk by. Verse 16, it says, And as many as walk according to this rule, peace be on them and mercy and upon the Israel of God. He says, walk according to this rule. Rules. And we, we've, we've discussed this uh, Christian walk at length. You know, we understand that walking is continuous. We talked about these things, that it's not strenuous. You know, I've heard many studies and different things like that. I can't cite them specifically for you, but they, they say a lot of times walking is better for your joints and, and things like that. Um, it's, it's not difficult to walk. It's, it's not a hard thing to do. It's not like sprinting or, or running or jogging even. It's, it's something that's, that's more natural. It, it, it's, it's good for you, but it doesn't, it doesn't hurt you as much as in the long term as some of these other things. So, so there's an expectation to walk, but, but the, the walk has to have direction. And this is kind of a review. We've, we've been through a lot of these things. So this word rule is from the word cane. It's like a straight reed, a rod, a, a rule is in a cannon. Uh, comic book nerds understand the canon, you know, something that's made outside of the, the, the main storyline that doesn't have anything to do with this non-canon. I used to be a comic book nerd. I'm sorry if you don't understand that reference. But that's a standard of faith and practice. By, by implication, it's a boundary or, or a sphere of activity. So that there's, there's something we're to walk by. It's, there's, this, there's something straight that, that, that is an expected, an expected thing. It's an expectation of, of a Christian to walk by. And the problem is that, we, back to this rules idea, that, that our flesh hates rules. Our flesh absolutely hates rules. That we hate standards. Uh, we, you know, I, my job, and some of you know that I'm in the regulatory area, and I can tell you, people do not like to follow the rules. It, they're, it, it's, they're finding ways to do the bare minimum, to, you know, just skirt, that, you know, they do not like it. And we, we have, a, we have uh, fortunately, not a lot, but there are, enough that it, it makes it scary sometimes people don't like to follow the rules they're always looking for ways to break the rules to go around the rules the rules cost a little extra sometimes um, but it's good for us to follow the rules it, it, even though sometimes it's harder 
And so, that, so there's, a, there's a spirit of rebellion in the world, and, and you know, we've heard people say that they, they don't like the Bible because this is just a list of do's and don'ts. And, you know, in one sense, uh, it, yes, but, you know, that's a little bit out of context because the do's and don'ts can be accomplished by someone that's truly regenerated, that's truly born again. A new creature uh, can, can overcome the difficulty in accomplishing these things. You know, we're, we're, we're told to be perfect. That doesn't mean that we're going to reach a state of sinless perfection. That means that we, there is a point where we can be complete. And, and maybe that's, uh, you know, certain moments throughout the day. Maybe that's a couple of days, whatever. But, you know, and we're sinning during that time. So you have to, you know, sin, confess, get back. You know, these things just happen in a cycle. But there is a complete uh, state that, that you, you, you can't have. It's not sinless perfection. But it's, it's an understanding that you're under the power and influence of the Holy Ghost, that, that you're being controlled by the Spirit. You're walking after the Spirit, um, and, and you'll manifest the fruit of the Spirit, as we talked about before. So what is the rule? What is the governing principle or the canon, the standard? What, what are we supposed to walk by? So we'll look again at verse 15. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creature so, so this verse, I would say this encompasses everything that we've learned throughout, throughout the book of, uh, throughout this epistle um, of Galatians. If you had to pick a verse that was kind of a theme verse, this would have to be on the list. This would be right up there. Uh, that circumcision availeth anything. It's talking about the works don't justify you. You know, you can't add anything to grace. It's the, you become a new creature. You become a new creature, and then you can fulfill the law. And then you can do these things, not in your own power, not, in, not, not because of you, but because of Christ in you. And so uh, the, the question is, what is the rule? What is the standard? And, and it's simple. Again, it's justification by righteous, and righteousness by grace through faith. And, and there is one rule, and, and it talks about this rule again in Philippians chapter 3, verse 16. And we're all to walk according to this rule. This is the standard. You know, we don't, there's not... a, a different rules it's the same rule Philippians 3:16 says nevertheless whereto we have already attained let us walk by the same rule let us mind the same thing so we're all we all have the same standard we all have the same rule we're all born into the same family you know we 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 do as parents we parent each child a little differently depending on personality and things and uh, but we have the same rules for everybody we don't we don't allow you know, one kid to do something, and it depends on the age, of course, but in general, you don't, you have a set of rules that applies to everybody, and everybody follows the rules. And so, this all ties into the new birth. As I said, you're born into this family, you're, you're reborn, and, and it's where we are. It's, it, it's, it's what we are, excuse me. The, the, the new creature is what we are. It's what we became when we repented from dead works and turned to God. It's what enables us to walk according to the rule. So, so uh, again, we don't have a different standard or rule or canon for each person that makes a profession of faith. It's the same standard and the same rule. There's only a new birth resulting in new desires, a new perspective, and a new focus. And it's all by God's grace. It's not anything that we've done or that we can do in our own power. So, so one might say that this sounds legalistic, having to follow a rule. And it's not, though. It's, it's not legalistic. It's a characteristic. It's an attribute of, of a new creature. If, if, I, if, if we were to go to the hospital, uh, and we, many of us have been there that have children, of course, and, and you go to see a family member or a friend's newborn baby, and you go to see, you're, you're expecting to see a, a newborn child, and it would be quite a different thing 
be quite confusing for them to wheel out a 150-year-old corpse and you were going to, a, to see a newborn child. There, there's a difference there. Uh, we have, we, we have a, an expectation of this new creature, this new baby. It, it has certain attributes. It has certain things it's going to do. And it's got a lot to learn. It's not going to be, you know, complete and perfect. And it can't walk yet. It can't talk yet. There's things it can't do. There's expectations and limitations there. But, but a corpse can do nothing. A corpse, a corpse is dead. It has no life. There's nothing it can do. And so, so it, it, it cheapens the supernatural work of God to say that someone can just repeat a prayer and go on with their lives and never change. It's a supernatural work that God does to regenerate someone, to create a new birth. And, and we, we can't give assurance of salvation to someone who isn't a new creature just because they prayed a prayer or agree with a set of facts uh, any more than we could assure that corpse that they were definitely a newborn baby. You wouldn't do that. You wouldn't stand there and try to, try to convince a corpse that has no evidence of life, that has no evidence that it's ever been changed, that it has no evidence that it's a new creature. You wouldn't convince the corpse that it is, in fact, a baby. It doesn't make sense. And so, with that in mind, we look at the hallmark of every new creature. We'll do this, for, well, I got, these are kind of points in a way, but so first, we'll look at the hallmark of every new creature. And so we discussed before that when, when we're, when we're born again, we're, we're crucified, we crucify the flesh, um, and yet crucifixion ties also into mortification of our members which are upon the earth, that, that there's a continual aspect to crucifixion. You see, crucifixion isn't like a firing squad where someone would stand there and get shot and, you know, in the heart and die. Uh, crucifixion was a process. It was a dying process, and the death was ultimate for sure, but there was a, you were suffocating essentially, being nailed to the cross. And so there is an aspect of the final turning, turning away, the, the new creature being born again, but there's another aspect where we're still in this body of flesh and we have to be continually mortifying these members. We need to, we're continually being crucified. And so that's, that's kind of the thought here. That's kind of what, where I'm leading to. Uh, the, new creature, the new creature dies to self. And again, we've discussed this at length. I'm going to give you verses that we've already been through in Galatians. 2.20 says, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. And then Galatians 5.24, And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. So the new creature, has, he dies to self. The new creature also dies to the world. In, in, in our text here in verse 14, But God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. We're talking about two aspects of crucifixion, of, of death there. So we're crucified to the world, and that's through persecution and tribulations from the world. The world wants to crucify us. The world hates us. It hates Christianity. It's been trying for many, many years to purge Christianity out of society. And, and, and we use this crucify as a common common phrase you know this person got crucified for blah 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 whatever they did but it's really what what's happening is the world is against us and they're and they want to crucify us they want persecution to drive us out and in in the time this epistle was written this was you know quite literal they, there were people being crucified for their faith during this time it was happening people were being drug out of their homes and out of churches and crucified of course they were also burned alive they were stoned to death they were drowned all kinds of stuff 
And persecution of Christians, though, has always resulted in the spread of Christianity. And we saw evidence of that uh, when we talked about Stephen and, and, the, and the early churches uh, last week, how they, they were persecuted and it caused them to spread out. Uh, God's used persecution for his purpose, even though it's evil. God can turn evil around and, and use it to accomplish great and mighty works. And so, you know, as, and we talk about that we sit here today because of persecution, really. And, 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 it, and it went from the, early, the first century, and if you were here uh, on the, around the 4th of July, I kind of read a little excerpt, but even our Baptist heritage is steeped in persecution. Uh, we, we were driven all over the, the South because of the persecution in the Northeast by Puritans and others uh, that, that didn't like uh, that, that Baptists were baptizing, you know, after, after regeneration. They, they, they tried to force them to baptize babies, and they refused, and they'd be banished. Uh, they did it to the Quakers as well. But us in particular as Baptists, we're a direct result. We are here because of persecution, especially in the South. And so we see that the church grows because of persecution. And so new creatures should expect persecution. 2 Timothy 3, 12 and 13 says, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. And so... Uh, we're kind of blessed, we're very blessed in, in this point in time in history because while we see men uh, waxing worse and worse, we can see the depravity all around us. It hasn't, it, there's been, a, a God has, has stayed the persecution here for the most part against Christians. And you see lawsuits and different things like that. I'm talking uh, people being drug out of their homes and, and murdered, and, and they are in different places in the world like Afghanistan and things like that. We're very blessed here. Um, and, and I believe that we're blessed because we've been we've we've been uh, we put God in a position uh, in this country historically of uh, of esteem, and we've had we we haven't been ashamed of God. But that's all turning now, and we understand that. And that's not the lesson. I'm just I'm just letting us know that that persecution shall happen. That's that's a given. That's going to happen. And Acts 14. Uh, we 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 uh, got there. I think at the beginning of our our study, but. Paul goes back to Galatia after uh, he was stoned and left for dead there outside uh, some of the cities. And he, he came back to this area where the Galatians are. And he, and he preached this in Acts 14, 21 and 22. He says, and when they had preached the gospel to that city and had taught many, they returned again to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch, confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith and that we must, through much tribulation, enter into the kingdom of God. We must. Jesus says in John 15, 18 through 20, if the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love his own. But because ye are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Remember the word that I said unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept me, my saying, they will keep yours also. So, so Paul says, I, I'm crucified to the world I'm crucified to the world as a new creature, but the second element is uh, that new creatures are, are, are crucified to the world, and uh, that's the first one. The second one is the, the world is crucified to the new creature. And, and this means continually killing affections for this world. 1 John chapter 2, 14 through 17 says, I have written unto you fathers because ye have known him that is from the beginning. I have written unto you young men because ye are strong and the word of God abideth in you, and ye have overcome the wicked one. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, 
the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world, and the world passeth away in the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. That's that new creature doing the will of God. To do this, we're, we're to see the world for what it is. And I've quoted this before, but I want to emphasize the second part of the quote. It's uh, John Owen uh, from way back. He's talking about a believer's daily work is to get their hearts crucified to the world and the things of it and the world to their hearts that they may not have living affections to dying things. And then he says, they would fain look on the world as a crucified dead thing that hath neither form nor beauty. 1 Corinthians 7.31 talks about the, the fashion of this world passeth away. And that, that word fashion actually, is, it, it's, it has the idea, and I read this in a commentary and I couldn't find it to attribute the, the, the thought to the, that individual. I think it was Matthew Henry, but I couldn't find it in, in his commentary. Um, but, it's t- you know, I, if you've ever been to a play and, and they have the, the backdrops that they roll in for each scene, they, you know, that they turn down the lights and then they roll in this big backdrop and it's a you know, a street or a building or the inside of a house or something, and they're, they're constantly switching these things back and forth. That's the idea of the fashion of this world is that we have to understand that, that what we're seeing with these corrupted eyes and what we're experiencing with this corrupted flesh, uh, it, it, it's, it's just a backdrop. It's, it's something that is, is for us to perceive and to draw us in and to develop affections for but it's just like a play. It's just, it's just like those, the, the backdrop of a play. It's, it's not real. It, these things, there's something beyond that. There's, there, there's something beyond this, this mass performance that's going on. That's really, every, everyone that's not a Christian is tied as a puppet to, to the whims of Satan and doing his will. And so everything around us, these things of the world, we shouldn't have affection for these things, knowing that and having that understanding. Uh, we're not of this world anymore once we get saved. So we shouldn't have living affections to this dying world. The next thing we see is the, the focus of every new creature, the focus of every new creature. There, there are two things pulling on us all the time, and that's the old man and the flesh and the new man or the new creature. As ancient Rome slid into dictatorship, and we've all heard this quote, but it was actually a poet, that it was a satire that he, he, he said, give them bread and circuses. And, the, and that was actually very true of what the Caesars were doing was giving them bread, and they're giving the ideas that they're giving them entertainment so they can do all this political stuff behind the scenes and uh, take away all their rights and everything else because they're satisfied with the bread and the circus. They're, they're satisfied, their flesh is satisfied with entertainment, and it's satanic, really. That, that's what Satan excels at, is the, the, the bread and the circus. He wants us to get all wrapped up in the entertainment. He wants us to get all wrapped up in the, the trappings of this world and, and these things of life. So... He, he, he wants us focused on temporary things, the, the, the wars and rumors of wars. He wants us uh, to, to wring our hands and fret over our finances, over our personal issues. He wants, he wants us focused on the, the fashion of this world, this backdrop, the sports and entertainment, uh, the nightly news, all these things that, that draw us in and take us away from the word of God and from serving him. He, he wants us to fear persecution and conflict. He, he wants us to fear trials and tribulations. He, he doesn't want us setting foot outside of our house because we're a walking testimony of Jesus Christ when we're a new creature. But, but the new creature is not to be ruled by circumstances. We understand that we're pilgrims here. We're travelers that are no longer of this world. We have dual citizenship, and, and we're to rest in knowing that our true home awaits. 
I don't know if uh, some that have been in the military, you've done things where you're overseas for long periods of time. Um, I worked as a civilian going overseas, and I've told this before, but I was doing 60 to 90 days at a time. The most I did, I think, was 102 or three days away from home. And I can't, I can tell you the way it feels to come home, to land at the airport, to come down the escalator, to see your family waiting for you. And, you know, of course, they had to wait behind the ropes, but, you know, Tabitha and the kids would be, would be there. Man, that, that was almost worth being gone. I mean, really, just as miserable as it was being away from my family, as miserable as it was, you know, the days where I couldn't reach anybody, I'm worried, I'm concerned, and there, there's, I, I can't talk, you know, they're busy, they're not answering the phone, and I need something, and I'm in Afghanistan or Iraq or somewhere like that, and, you know, the time difference was always a factor, but when I, when, when I saw them at the airport, that feeling was almost worth all of it, and I can't really describe it, but imagine going to heaven, and, and, and when you get there, when you, when you step into eternity and, and, you, and you're seeing those loved ones that have gone on, you're, you're, seeing, you're seeing those friends, the, the, maybe the, the, the child or, you know, the, the, the parent or, or the aunt or the uncle that, that you look to, that you were close to, and you, you see them waiting for you there. And, and then you see our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And can you imagine even having another thought of this world. If I can come from Afghanistan and go down an escalator and, and I'm, I'm saying it's almost worth it, just that feeling, to have that feeling of seeing my family again, imagine how a million-fold that feeling is going to be when we get to heaven. Amen. So, so he wants us focused on, on, the, on the world, on the things of, these world, of, of this world. So, so if you're feeling a lack of peace, if, if the condition of the world is overwhelming and overbearing, just remember the rule. Verse 16, it says, And as many as walk according to this rule, peace be on them, and mercy, and upon the Israel of God. Peace be on them, and mercy. Because you walk according to the rule. Because you're not focused on this world. You're a new creature. You don't belong here. You're a pilgrim here. Your home's in heaven. The next thing we see is the, the confidence, the confidence of every new creature. In verse 17, from henceforth let no man trouble me, for I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. So we know that Paul had been beaten and stoned and left for dead in prison and shipwrecked and snake bit. And he had his character assassinated as you read through the, the epistles. He's got people saying terrible things about him everywhere uh, to people that he's won to the Lord. And he's, he even had a hit put out on his life. He's got assassins coming after him. Uh, I mean, he, he's, had, he, he's had a go of it. And, and he says, walk according to the rule. Walk as a new creature. Embrace the world hating you, crucifying you. And, and, and you rejoice in crucifying the world to yourself. So, so for the rest of my life, he says, I'm not going to be distracted. I'm not going to be swayed. I'm sold out for my Lord Jesus Christ. Let no man trouble me. Let no man trouble me. And then finally we see the enabling force for every new creature. The enabling force for every new creature. In verse 18 it says, Brethren, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. So the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Apostle Paul understood grace. Maybe, maybe, I don't know, but maybe better than any other historic person in the Bible. Maybe. Maybe. Other than Jesus, of course. Paul understood grace. 
Notice that he, he, he wishes the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ not to be with their flesh, not to be with their infirmity, not, not to be with, you know, salving their, 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 uh, their woes and their anxiety and, and, you know, in a world of persecution. It wasn't that. He says, let the grace of, God, of, of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Be with your spirit. A lot of times we, we do want grace for the flesh, but grace is really for the spirit. We're, our spirit's constant. We can't do much about the flesh except to overcome it. We, we, the flesh is hanging on until that day when we cross over into eternity. But, but by the spirit, we can overcome the flesh. And so we need grace for the spirit. He says, I, I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus Christ. In 2 Corinthians 12, we know this story, uh, this, this recounting of, of, uh, the, of him having the thorn in the flesh. He says that he has a thorn in the flesh given to him. This is the Apostle Paul, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. That he, he besought the Lord three times that it might depart from him, and, and, and Jesus gives him the answer. Jesus spoke to him in response to, to his request in 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10. And if you want to turn there, I think we have a couple minutes. I'm almost done. And we've all seen this before. Um, 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10. And again, we're talking about the enabling force for every Christian. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10. And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee. This is Jesus talking. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. And then Paul says, most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. Do we undervalue the grace of God? The Apostle Paul understood it. He understood this enabling power whereby we can overcome the flesh by the Spirit as the new creature that lives within every regenerate, truly born again, child of God, that we can overcome the flesh by grace. And I, I didn't know that Brother Bill was going to sing Amazing Grace this morning, but we always say, you know, we, we sing this song, I Surrender All, and, and we always see, you know, preachers everywhere have said, do you, do you really mean it when you sing it? But, but, we could apply that to amazing grace as well. Do we really mean it? Is grace amazing to us? Is God's grace amazing to us? That unmerited favor, that preference that we get, undeserved, unearned, do we see, see it for what it is? Now, why crucifixion? Why persecution? Why tribulations? Why infirmities? Death, heartbreak, loss, and suffering. And Jesus says, because my strength is made perfect in weakness. My strength makes you cling tighter to me and depend on me. You can't fully know my strength until, you're relying on, until you aren't relying on your own strength anymore. And, and what is Paul's response? And, and look at uh, 9 and 10 again. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me, Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and in reproaches and necessities and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. And Paul says, I'd rather have power than the healing. I'd rather have the grace 
than to be relieved of the persecution. I'd rather be weak and have his strength than be strong and devoid of Christ's power upon me. Now that I know what I'm getting, I don't want to be delivered. I want to be developed. Grace is the key to walking according to the rule. Uh, As we draw nearer to Christ, he draws nearer to us, and we obtain peace and mercy. And I'm right on time. I hope that was a blessing. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. We do thank you for your amazing grace. I ask that you would bless the service to come. Uh, I ask that you would uh, bless and help uh, Brother Matt as he continues on uh, the Sunday school hour in here. I know that you'll use him in a mighty way, and I just pray for your hand to be upon him. Uh, We love you, Lord. We ask now that we could honor and glorify you uh, in the service to come, that you'd help our pastor preach with power and authority and full of the Holy Ghost. We, We love you, and we praise you and thank you for everything you'll do. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.